Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel, and of course we are at the very beginning of this universe talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And joining me again today is Liz Whitaker from the Mean Girls Minute. Hello, I'm so excited to be back. Back you are, and we are of course talking about Minute 39. On today's show, the minute starts with Yinsen revealing the truth about his family, and it ends with the terrorists just opening fire on Iron Man. Yeah, Bang. this is this is a it's a gut punch of a minute we've got here. This is a fantastic and powerful minute. This final bit, the the final scene that we have between Tony and Yinsen, and I think that the way that. Sean Tobe as Yinsen and Robert Downey Jr. play the scene, it plays really well. And this is, I mean, this is why Sean Tobe is in the movie, because he's a great actor. And the power that he delivers here in his uh, death scene is just heartbreaking. It just really just rips your heart out as you as you find out that his family's been dead all this time, and he's going to go see them. And that's what he meant when he said that earlier in the film. Uh, yeah. And, and, and now you know why... Uh, way back at the beginning of this week, we know why he has taken, you know, run out, taken a gun and charged the enemy to buy Tony time because it that was in service to all of his missions. It was in service to, you know, getting Tony out of there, but also into ending his time in this life and getting to see his family again. It does make you wonder, though, if they ha- if he had actually stuck with Tony's plan, like if if the suit powered up really quickly at the beginning and then Tony was the first to exit. Because from the way that Tony was talking about it, the plan was basically Tony was going to storm out, take everybody down. Yinsen would follow behind cautiously and have checkpoints to make sure that everything was was safe. And then he'd meet Tony at the end outside once it was all clear. It makes me wonder if if. Yinsen kind of had initially just was like it was that something he was actually going along with at any point until he decided to uh, to move forward with this other plan or or what because uh, I mean he clearly decided it was really a spur of the moment decision to run out and to buy Tony more time yeah I or or yeah you gotta wonder if he always if his plan was to even if he was following Tony out if his plan was to whenever he saw an opportunity to step in the line of fire to take it and he saw an opportunity to do it in a way that would also help him help tony yeah right right like throw himself on a grenade yeah. or or whatever it was in order to save tony and, so he was totally fine dying yeah at any his point. opportunity just, just came really it just early. happened to be this one yeah yeah, right, right. I can buy that. I just want to see what would have been the alternate world where everything went smoothly sure. and Tony took everybody out. And then and then Yinsen gets outside and is like, oh, damn it. Now what? Now what? I don't have my family. Well, I also wonder what that would have done to Tony as Iron Man. Because I, I just have this sense that the first life you either save or lose once you put on the suit has a a lot of impact on who you are as the superhero. Yeah, right. And so Tony's very first person he tries to save, once he puts the suit on, he fails. And you got to, I mean, you see it in his face when he stands back up and 
gets ready to walk outside that that sets a resolve in him. And I, and I, so I think it, I think that is going to, that that's going to color how he behaves in the suit for the rest of his career as Iron Man. That's a great point. And uh, I think that carries a lot of weight with it, especially because we have, well, a couple things. We had that scene earlier when Yinsen's asking about his family and Tony's like, I don't really have any of that. And Yinsen's like the man who has everything and nothing. And you kind of get that sense that they're growing and Tony's learning a lot from this guy about how to be a better person. And then you have that great exchange here where Tony says, thank you for saving me. And Yinsen's response is, don't waste your life. I think that is a critical point for this this turn that we're going to have in Tony's arc for the rest of the film and really kind of for this franchise as Iron Man becomes a key element in it. And now he's trying to do more than just be this rich, cocky playboy who sells weapons. And he is going to really try to do something new. And I think this is a just a huge crux of a moment for all of that kind of turn. Yeah. When I was watching this minute, you know, when you watch a minute of a movie in a vacuum, right? you see it in a different in a different way. And when I was watching this minute, I, I just I saw I saw that and I thought, huh. This really, I think this one small moment in this movie from 2008 has a lot to do with the, it speaks volumes about the the conflict that Iron Man's going to have in particular with Captain America in the future. And I think you can go back to their, you know, their first actions once they get in this, their suit and it, it's going to color their perspectives in a way that I think shake out through this whole huge, expansive universe and series yeah definitely i mean the whole idea of not wasting your life and being a better person seeing how that affects him as he's coming up with ultron or dealing with the civil war that they have and tying in the government all of that sort of stuff it's it really is this interesting shift in his direction that works really nicely for all of that and, and robert downey jr He's just one of those actors who he certainly fits kind of that that Hollywood playboy sort of lifestyle, but he's always proven himself to be a great actor. And and moments like this is really where it shines through. He just does such a great job of carrying the emotion through. Well, and you got to wonder if he maybe had a similar real life conversation with someone that was important to him, where, oh, yeah. where someone sat him down and was just like, you've got this talent. Don't don't waste it. I'd like to think somebody did that with him. I'd like to think that, uh, you know, a lot of people probably did that with him. <laughs> Hopefully nobody had to die on a bag of wheat for him. But... <laughs> right, covered in maggots. Uh, yes, hopefully. Uh, there's one stuck at the bottom of Yinsen's chin in this minute. I'm just like, oh, it's got to be rice. Tell me it's rice. <laughs> I like to think that that's just a, a gray whisker, like a really long gray whisker. That's <laughs> really just thick one. Out, right. Oh, that's uh, that's too funny. This is, um, sadly, this is kind of the minute where we leave our cave set. We're not going to have any more of this cave set where I, I've been stuck in this cave set so long. <laughs> I've been talking about it for for hours and hours now. Uh, we first You're see blinded it, by the sunlight. Uh, I know. It's amazing to actually see. We first see this cave in minutes four and five for a brief moment. And then it comes back minute 17 until this point. So it's been about 23 minutes of story time. But we do finally get at the end of this exchange that, like you said, that great look of resolve 
on Tony's face as he stands and he stomps out of this cave. And it's a great moment when we when we get that reveal for all these people outside. It's a really cool shot. And, and this time, Tony's not being fancy with his arc reactor light. Nope, he's not hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> we see it coming. It is a, yeah. a, it's a nice glow stepping out. But we also get that fantastic, like the resounding thumping as he's as he's walking out, which is just a nice, a nice addition that gives these terrorist troops outside this uh, kind of this tense moment as they're all holding their guns their their all their different varieties of guns that they have pointed at uh, <laughs> at the cave entrance just uh, waiting for him to come out which is kind of funny because they haven't seen Raza come out yet so theoretically like it, they could be pointing could their be him. <laughs> <laughs> could have Raza walking right out into all this uh, this shooting but at least they, I mean, they do wait. They wait and see Iron Man uh, come out. And what a fantastic moment to see that full shot of of the Mark I Iron Man suit walk out that cave entrance and just stand there looking at all these terrorists with their weapons. It is a fantastic hero moment right here. It really is. It's, it's, his, it's his moment in the sun. <laughs> Literally. Actually, it's probably <laughs> Tony going, oh, my God, I can't see. It's so bright out here. <laughs> He, that's why he has to pause. He's waiting for his eyes to adjust. Right. He's been in this cave for months. I mean, with uh, granted, he's had some little lights in his cave to work with. But uh, all of a sudden, walking out into the bright sunlight, yeah, he probably is just like, oh, God. He's, wish- he's wishing he had put a visor on that thing. Exactly. Exactly. Some little uh, some uh, tinted covers for his uh, eye slits. <laughs> I'm not sure what he would have made those out of, but... He's probably he's wishing he had been able to scavenge something. You think he would have come up with something? Well, he's probably wishing that when the terrorists kidnapped him in the first place from the cave at the beginning, because he had his sunglasses, sunglasses on. Yeah, like why didn't they just grab the sunglasses too, or why did I take them off? <laughs> yeah, where did I leave them? <laughs> oh, probably by Jimmy's body or something. Because none of these guys are wearing sunglasses, so it's not like he could hope to find some laying on the floor that were carelessly discarded right <laughs> and uh, how would he put them on anyway it would be very awkward he'd have to flip his visor up get them on and <laughs> i can only imagine how difficult that would be we have a huge variety of our utility stunt players outside as all of these soldiers you know it's the sites that i found that told me who was who either had them marked as unknown because they couldn't quite figure out who they were or they seemed to mismatch them. And so I never could quite pinpoint exactly who any of these other guys were. The one things that I, I I did notice is that some of the guards that we had consistently been seeing throughout the film, like we have uh, the two guards that were always with Abu, we had Ahmed and Omar, they are not here. And so I, I do wonder if they're going to find a way to return. You know, there's a point that I didn't uh, bring up a couple minutes ago when uh, when Yinsen comes running out and and has all the is stopped by all the guards we don't see Abu there and Abu is a guard who had been more the one who is like the the communicator between Tony and Yinsen and Raza cuz Raza never interacted with Tony for a very long time but we don't see Abu when he comes out and i think a lot of that was because this is all stuff that minutes you weren't on but there was a deleted scene where raza kills abu for getting too friendly with tony and yinsen 
Abu does come back later, but it does make me wonder if a lot of that, they just didn't go back and do reshoots on everything else, like all of this stuff, to include Abu. Because otherwise, it's like, where is Abu and where are his men? Where's Omar and, and uh, Ahmed? Where did they all run off to? This is all just... Uh, to the market for groceries. <laughs> right. They picked the perfect time to do the grocery run, and they're, they're going to come back and find everything torched. There was a grain drop nearby. They had to go. They had to go pick up their assorted uh, assorted grain bags. The ones without the maggots. Yes, they're maggot free grain bags. Oh, that's just uh, so sad. So sad. It is an interesting amalgam of of faces, though. I just wish that I could pinpoint who more of these people are. It's always frustrating when you have. I think a lot of these stunt players, they're not as concerned about making sure they have headshots on IMDb. <laughs> right. So it's a little uh, you know, trickier to pinpoint who they are. Someday, somebody is going to just realize that what the world needs is like a, a yearbook for each movie. And it's <laughs> right. every day, somebody's just on on set, you know, taking photos and writing down people's names and they're publishing a yearbook at the end and you get everybody's little headshot and then you get their little action shots of them in the movie. Right. Doing things. That way the people <laughs> that do, people like us that do podcasts <laughs> where we really dive deep into the movies can where, identify the actors. Where we need all of the, the minutiae. Yeah. That's who it's for. Well, Yes. My well, yeah. In my podcast, we don't quite get into the minutia like this. <laughs> uh, it's le- there's a less forensic research happening. Uh, yeah, I get but, a little crazy with some of this stuff. I, I go down rabbit holes, especially with uh, these people. I, I get really fascinated by like who are these little players who are are playing. You know, I mean, obviously they are doing quite a bit of work still. So, right, I'm always yes. impressed. I did find two names of two people that I think were identified as John Braver and Daniel Stevens. So I know that we have those two in this minute. So so there's a couple of them for you. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of people shooting shooting guns at, uh, at Iron Man here. <laughs> about to regret that. They are. But what's great about the setup here is just the way that, that Iron Man just stops in the cave entrance and just it's, it's like he's daring them. It's fantastic the way that the moment plays out. Obviously, this moment is split between the two minutes. We get him stopping and staring at everybody, and then they just start opening fire, and we just see hit after hit on his armor as the camera starts moving around him, and then we'll have to finish it tomorrow. But it's it's just it's interesting the way that it's setting up, and it's a it's you know in the context of a superhero movie, it works really well to help define who this character is. Yeah, he's got a lot of faith in this suit he built in a cave and hasn't tested. <laughs> well, there's no time like uh, testing it <laughs> in the field right there out of the gate. Trial by fire. Exactly. I don't have anything else for this minute. What about you? I, I was able to hit all my points. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's close this one out and we can chat more about this firefight that we're going to see more of in tomorrow's minute, which should be fun. Uh, Liz, where can people find you out on the interwebs? You can find the show at MeanGirlsMinute.com or Facebook.com slash MeanGirlsMinute. You can find me to talk about the show on the North Shore Burn Book on Facebook. Fantastic. 
Well, everybody, that's it for today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel. Until next time, true believers. Thank you.